what's going on. Welcome to this episode of The Dealer Playbook, a podcast that explores how to create a thriving career in the retail auto industry. My name is Michael Cirillo. Hope you guys are safe. Hope you're well. Today, I'm talking to Jeff Bounds from Grant Cardone's office about what you need to do during a market contraction. All right. So, I mean, we, we had kind of planned what we wanted to talk about on this podcast. And I think just even in the last week, two weeks, you know, everybody's got their mind around what's happening in the market, this market contraction. And, and you know, I think there's some significance to what's happening right now. I, I can remember our business um, situation in 08, like when things crashed in 08. I think, you know, I was allowed 72. My wife gave me like 72 hours to panic. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and during that seventy two hours, it was like, oh man, just sitting in the hallways of my office, being like, oh, my brain hurts. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm I'm excited to have you on because you know I know what happened for me in oh eight and oh nine. Those actually became very very lucrative years for my business, um, because we were nudged into a pivot. And like, by the way, DPB gang, if you don't think I know what it means to pivot, we used to publish telephone books. Okay. That's what my business used to do. We used to, you remember telephone books? Those are the things you put your computer monitors on top of now. (laughs) So, so I'm excited to have you on Jeff, because I know, I know what can happen in times of market contraction. And I look back to 08, Uber, Slack, Airbnb you know, GitHub, uh, a slew, a slew of, of companies that innovated when they were put under pressure or, or new ideas that were stemmed when they were put under pressure. And I think we're seeing that in automotive today. A lot of dealers are, I know they're reaching out to you. They're reaching out to me and they're going, dude, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what I should be doing. So I want to turn this over to you. What are you seeing from your vantage point? You guys work with thousands of rooftops. What what are you seeing as we head into a contraction like this? Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to thank you for having me on your show. Super excited to to be part of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really uncertain times right now. Uh, you know, there's half of the audience out there that's going to retract, and then there's half of the audience out there that understands this is just a bump in the road. And as you were mentioning, um, pivot to be able to move forward, and you know. In, in, in a situation where automobile industry, as we've known it in the past, is completely changed. So with showrooms being closed, with, you know, service lanes, you know, having special hours and not having the amount of internet leads coming in, it has people in a panic, which let's just be real. I mean, I think anybody would be concerned. But the, the true beauty of, of what we're experiencing today, if there's any, is the fact that it's going to end up making us stronger going through it. And as you alluded to, you know, in 2008, I was actually in automotive retail at the time and in the state of Arizona, which is one of the states that got hit the hardest through this. And uh, I was working for the Penske Automotive Group. So I remember, you know, watching everything literally start to change and, and, and the stock prices starting to drop, even stock in and Pinsky in general, I mean, went from like $22 a share down to like $3 and saw everybody selling out their stock. But what I also saw was the commitment to realize that 
when you are in difficult times, you have to think outside of the box and find out what assets you have available to you that you can run with and create additional sales funnels. And, you know, I was able to get through 2008, much like yourself. I, I feel like it made me a lot stronger in many different ways. And, you know, just like I tell everybody, I mean, we're, we're a resilient country. We're, you know, as human beings, we're, we're very resilient as well. We're going to get through this. It's just now instead of panicking, we need to just sit down and think about how we can move forward in faith and not retract in fear and find vehicles to, to get us through this. Yeah. I love what you're saying there. I firmly believe that like when, when I, it, when I do my, my presentations and I'm, I'm doing a keynote or something like that. Um, I often talk about the concept of choose your adventure. I don't know if you remember these back in elementary school, primary school, wherever you're listening, whatever you call it. We had these books that I, I gravitated towards. They were mostly sci-fi in nature, but they would allow you as you read to you, you were basically reading first person as the main character and you would be given choices to make. And depending on the choice, you would have to turn to a certain page in the book. So it'd be like, if you want to explore that creepy cave over there, turn to page 14 and then the story would continue. Or if you want to do that, turn to page 30. And, and that's kind of what we're faced with right now. A lot of people, when things were good, we made a lot of vain choices, a lot of ego-driven choices. And depending on the choices we make, like today we, are, we could be experiencing the compounding ripple effect of decisions that we've been making for the last decade or more. Absolutely. And, and so now during this time, I love what you're saying. Like There are still choices in front of you, one of which is what assets are at your disposal? Like pause, don't panic. When's the last time you made a good decision when you panicked? you know let let's get our heads straight let's get our think straight like grant grant always says like get your think straight right <laughs> and and um let's look at what we actually have because you know when you look at companies like uber or airbnb i mean what did they actually create that was new did they create the internet no did they create mobile phones no did they create payment processing no did they create hotels no did they create ride sharing no did they but what they did is they they did what you just said what i love jeff is they they saw all of these things these assets that they had to leverage and created a fresh spin on on a concept and then look what happened yeah totally so to highlight on a couple points there, I feel like you and I are definitely in unison <laughs> with our with our think, so to say. But you know, in, in life, you can't control what happens, but you can't control how you respond to it. And you know, and in, in having the the luxury to be able to to represent Grant and uh, just being able to spend time around him, and you know, having him as my mentor for essentially the past twenty years. A very long time ago, and even in my younger years, I realized that the most important thing you can do is control your thinking, control your mindset, and control what you put your attention on, so to say. So, you know, every single day, I'm not watching the news. I'm not watching CNBC. I'm not watching the ticker. I'm not watching what's going on in the stock market because I can't control that. But what I can control is putting my mind on things that are going to help me be able to move forward, help me be able to assist my clients and realize that this is just a bump in the road. But specifically around, you know, the automotive industry, let's just face it, we've been 
in one of the greatest economies that we've known to date. Um, it's been like shooting fish in a barrel in the industry. Showroom traffic has been up. Internet leads have been coming in at unprecedented numbers. The phones have been on fire. And now all of essentially overnight, that just stopped. So when you talk about pivot, when you talk about thinking outside of the realm of what's going on and looking at sales funnels, you know, you, you never want to invest in, in one opportunity and you never want to just rely on one flow of, you know, um, profitability for your business. So think about it. Now showrooms are closed, but what's open? The service lane. The service lane provides the highest amount of traffic in any dealership, even before all this craziness started to happen. But still today, most dealerships are not engaged around data mining, equity mining in their service lane. And now the dealers that are looking for something to do or they have to have their salespeople work virtually, they can still operate. All they have to do is leverage whatever equity mining partner that they're using, you know, run that off their CRM, find people that are in a position to be able to upgrade their vehicle, reach out with service first and give them the opportunity to have a great talk track. And, and these are things that we should have been doing, we should have been done, you know, years ago, we should have been doing these 30 days ago, but now it becomes front and center because that's where everybody's attention is. So attention is important and making sure that you are tapping every open opportunity inside of your dealership is essential. Another thing that's gonna really pull forward through this, this current situation that we're in now, in my opinion, is digital and modern retailing. You know, the dealers out there that have really become engaged around this, some of them have found that there's at least a 15 to 25% market share in their area around digital retailing. Today, imagine the impact if you had already had that set up inside of your dealership. Even though your dealership is not open, you can still conduct business, you can still pre-sell vehicles, you can still reach your audience in a way where even if such social distancing is in place or the CDC's not recommending groups, it can be done virtually. So when this all breaks through and we start to move forward, this is something that everybody in the automotive industry needs to be thinking about because if you and I are gonna have a conversation five years down the road, naturally it's gonna look different anyway, but this is gonna be the thing that the proactive dealers embrace. And when we break out of this, they're gonna go full force into it. Yeah, and you know, to the, <laughs> to, I think there's silver lining in it, like you're, like you're suggesting this, this pivot adapting because social distancing, I mean, the data has shown us that social distancing is something that our customers have wanted for the last five years. <laughs> You're 100% correct so, on that. So if we take this opportunity, you know, I was, I was speaking to a client the other day and he's like, man, I hope that's not the case. And I'm like, dude, why would you hope that's not the case? If you yeah. have like, this is the greatest time to be alive. Our, our grandparents, you want to know why old people get grumpy because they're mad that they don't have the things we have, you know, yeah. like, 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 like you said, digital retailing, um, the ability to take down payments, the, the uh, e-signature software, um, like how come I can buy a house and my real estate agent can send me so the, the paperwork to sign digitally, but I can't do yeah. that for a car. These Absolutely. are all things that, that customers have been wanting for, for a long time now, mm -hmm. this market contraction has had an interest and, and, and this health crisis have put us in an interesting 
position in that it's that gentle nudge maybe we needed for a lot of people like you said the proactive dealers to go okay i'm listening now i'm gonna really figure out how to implement these things adapt and evolve yeah yeah absolutely i mean you know the reality is back when cars direct and auto web first came in the automotive industry kind of as disruptors to start internet departments to start bdc you know a lot of dealers didn't want to embrace it you know everybody wanted to go to traditional showroom sales you know they they didn't want to bastardize their gross profits so to say inside of their dealership they're like ah the internet's never going to work and and the ones that really like pushed into it really started to grab market share and started to really um, you know, advance inside of just the ranking inside of their, their, their colleagues. This is the same thing today. I mean, you know, you, you said it, I mean, especially when you get in the highline sector, you're dealing with very busy people that where, where time is their most precious asset. They don't have time to go through, you know, the, the grind back and forth. They don't have time to spend four or five hours in the dealership. So to give them the opportunity to be able to create an end to end transaction online, and then have the car delivered to them. I mean, look, that's a no-brainer. So, you know, uh, again, this is not something that, that we can continue to push off. It's going to continue to move forward. And uh, I have a conversation, you know, frequently with a lot of these companies that are really entrenched in this, and, and they realize it too. It's just a matter of time before people understand that this is the way to do business. Because think about it. If you and I, you know, owned a couple of dealerships right now, and we did have an active digital retailing process in our in our dealerships. Yeah, we're going to be concerned right now, but we still have an active sales funnel going. We are still creating activity, right? A lot of the dealers today, the salespeople are morphing into, let's just call it concierges anyway. Because if they are making outbound calls, they're trying to check in, find out you know, how their clients are doing, making sure that they understand that they're there for them. Through the modern retailing, digital retailing program, we're going to even have to change, you know, what we know is the sales process in the, in the engagement. But there's one common denominator that it comes down to. It's something that we've struggled with in the car business, at least since I've known it and I've been in the car business 25 years, is a lack of proper communication. You know, mm-hmm. if, if we can reach out, communicate to people and, and ask the right questions and make sure that we're providing them a maximum amount of value, we're all going to be you know, farther ahead and get better in this situation. So uh, I'm really excited to see, you know, where this goes in regards to that. But in the meantime, for, for those dealers that are out there today and they don't have a modern retailing platform, they don't have an e-commerce virtual showroom process set up, it's just time to, you know, as Grant would say, 10 exit, you know, you might even have to 50 exit right now because however many calls that it took you before to get people engaged, to create enough interest and create enough appointments, you need to do, you know, double, triple, quadruple the work right now because we don't know what it's going to take. The, the beauty of, you know, a process of calling through like an equity mining strategy or something like that is in the engagement with the customer, you're providing value. You have a reason for the call. You're calling them because no matter like if it's a war where, you know, it's a plague, it's a coronavirus or whatever, people still have to drive vehicles. People still have monthly payments. People still have to service their cars. So reach out to them, service first. Hey, I hope everything's going well. You know, the reason for the call is I wanted to reach out to you, let you know what the current situation is, is our dealership today. I understand that your lease is coming up in the next six months. Just wanted to reach out to you and discuss your options and give you some some information. So as we do move through this, you're going to be able to get on with what you're doing and make sure that you have the right car that you want. And people are going to embrace that very well because, again, you're, you're calling 
with something of what they always talk about, the, ap- the, the acronym WIFM, what's in it for them. You always right. got to think about it's the customer first and what's ever important to them. So if you reach out in that sort of process, you're going to get good engagement. And then not to mention that, once this does blow over, as a dealership, people are going to remember you're the one that actually reached out. So there's so many different ways that, that we can move with this today and uh, get through it and, and, and really have it be a positive result. We just got to put the action in. The other thing that I want to say, and you were just mentioning this, you know, I'm 47, going to be 48 years old in and, and, and another month, right? And the reality is we didn't have social media when I grew up. It wasn't in the game. Now everybody has this vehicle, which obviously they'll watch our podcast on right now. But it blows my mind how people inside of automotive retail still are not leveraging social media, still are not getting out there spreading their message. At the end of the day, yes, you're selling vehicles, but the customer is buying you. What's going to make you different? What's going to make you stand out and get out there and realize that whatever you think you're doing on social media, you need to amp it up 10 times just because there is a lot of noise out there. But once you start getting yourself out there, branding yourself, branding your dealership, you know, you're going to be able to move forward that way as well. It's just, these are things that we should have been doing a long time ago, but now we're forced to do. What I love about this too is, you know, one of the common themes that always finds its way, it weaves its way into every episode of the podcast. Um, And, and to me, it's just validity of the truthfulness of it is the importance of building relationships of trust. And I mean, that was a powerful lesson that I had to learn the hard way when the markets crashed the last time is how important it is to build long-term relationships of trust and to work that network. And that just really resonates everything that you've said, because now more than ever, I need to be in front of those people with a service mind. I need to be able to pour value into them in quantities that I have never before even conceived. When I interviewed Brian Benstock, um, who's, you know, number one Honda dealer in the nation, that sort of a thing. He's done some really innovative things. One of the things that he's, and I interviewed him probably mm, six months ago or more, and it stuck with me is he was almost foreshadowing. He was prophesying in a way because he knew that we were overdue for a contraction. We've all kind of known that we've been overdue for a contraction. But he's like, I'm not worried about the contraction. I'm worried about how soft the good times have made us. Yeah. And, and we're, we're kind of seeing that where we've been touting build relationships of trust for the last, since the beginning of time. But it's easy to forget what that actually looks like when, when times are good. And so I love what you're saying is like, hey, now there's specific urgency on this this idea of reaching out to everybody and being in front of them and being relevant, being timely, being concerned. I mean, Grant talks about it in his training services, senior to selling. Mm. Well, well, and the reason I bring up the whole being soft thing is because when times were good and, and to your point, like your words were shooting, you know, fish in a barrel, so to speak, we force, we forsake, building relationships because of how easy it was to just make an offer and have a one-to-one mapping to a transaction. And now more than ever, we got to remember what it's like to be a good person and to serve others and to work with others and keep ourselves in front of those people. Because, um, you, you know, like you said, and it resonates true for me because it's what I experienced firsthand. 
when this blows over, and it will, we don't know when, but we know it will, when this blows over, people are going to be doing business in greater quantities with those that stayed in front of them, we're serving them, we're providing value to them and building that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other thing to look at too is, you know, I was just looking at automotive news this week and, you know, Ford isn't really out there embracing their clientele. GM is doing it, Hyundai, you know, a lot of the manufacturers, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, I think over the next six months, we're going to see some of the most aggressive offers in the car business that we've ever seen. They're going to basically try to do whatever they can to embrace everybody, to understand what's going on. You're going to see like ridiculous lease programs. You're going to see opportunities to, they're already doing it, you know, being able to, you know, push off your payment 90 days, six months, 84, 84 month financing, you know, with 0%. I mean, it's all going to be out there. And and a dealer I was talking to this morning, you know, I just said, look, you know, you got to think, that when you pick up that phone and call, you can't prejudge, you can't assume that the person on the other line isn't going to be interested because you still have the people out there that are going to be able to have the wherewithal to move through this. You know, they, they, they've invested wisely. They want the deal. You're still going to have the grinders. You're still going to have the people looking for the best deal. And now you're going to have something that's definitely going to get their attention. It's just, again, you know, if you don't let your clientele know what's going on, you can't assume that they're going to see it on the news or they're going to read about it on the internet. It's your responsibility as a car salesperson, as a, you know, a dealer operator to make your clients understand the situation. I have a really good, also good client of mine. Every single day he's on YouTube giving an update of what's going on with him and his dealership. And I told him, I said, look, man, I said, you are doing something that probably less than 5% of people in the automotive industry are doing today. People are going to remember you after this because you're the, you know, the beacon of light. You're the voice that's keeping people engaged and, and letting them know what's going on in the marketplace because all we hear now is what we hear on the news and we know a lot of that's not even accurate. So um, we got to be the evangelists right now. Yeah, and, and isn't that the truth? I mean, I haven't watched the news in... Uh, a, a decade or more. Wow. And, and people are like, what is your deal? It was right around when we got married, when I got married, I got married in 08. So new yeah. transition into marriage, transition in business. Tra- like it was, I, I mean, everything was crazy. And I realized then that like, I can't watch the news. And you know, what's funny about it is as I've seen more and more of the headlines coming out uh, as this is happening, I'm realizing how good of a decision that was. Like, I, it's not that I'm naive to what's going on in the world, but, but going back to where we where you started uh, the conversation, which is I can't control any of it. Yeah, I, I can't control that there's a virus and how it happened, and I can't control the market contraction. Like I am an army of one that cannot control that. Um, but I've realized how just hearing some of the headlines and the biases out there have can it can impact you so quickly. It's no wonder that so many people are acting in fear or are concerned about this uncertainty because I mean, according to the news, dude, like it's the end of the world. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, social media is no better. Social media has become the equivalent of a truck stop bathroom stall. Yeah. You know, when they used to etch, I mean, they probably still do. I don't go on it, (laughs) but, but you know, um, so it's what I love about what you're saying is like, hey, but there's still a way to use this. Like when I wrote my book, Don't Wait, Dominate, that was the whole concept of it was, 
was like, hey, instead of doing what everyone else is doing in this moment, everybody's panicking. Like, what do we know? We know that everybody's panicking. We know that there's a virus and there's some unknowns. We, we don't know that this how long it's going to take to blow over, but we do know it's going to blow over. You can't be doing what they're doing and just not only have you shut your, your, your physical location, you've now shut your digital location, you've shut your mental location. You can't do that. Stand out. And so I love this example you're sharing about this dealer that's just choosing to be proactive and use these resources at his disposal to, to keep a positive message out there, to be in front of the customers, to be in front of his community. Because people, you know, if it was hard to believe when times were good, you got to listen now. Okay. You got to listen, DPB gang. They are listening. They're paying attention to who was filling them with hope, who was filling them with optimism, who was filling them with solutions. The only mm-hmm. reason any of us are like this, this is what gets me, Jeff. Like the only reason any of us are in business is because we found solutions to problems. Now there's a new set of problems and everybody disappeared instead of just solving them like what businesses are supposed to do like dude just solve the problems let's get creative here so i love what you're talking about getting creative so i want to ask you this um just kind of transitioning a little bit here um what are like if we had to list out maybe some of your top priorities of things that you're focused on let's say you're owning you own a dealership michael and michael cirillo and jeff uh, bounds own a real a, a dealership. What are our top priorities in a, in a time like this? Yeah. Well, well, number one, and and not just in this time, but just in general, dude. Your number one priority is your people. Your people are going to make and they're going to break you. So you need to invest in your people. Make sure you give them the proper training. Get their mind right. Make sure they know what they're doing, so they're going to be successful in their business. They're going to make money and they're going to stick with you. So that's number one. Number two, you have to sit down and really think about all the different avenues that you have to get attention and avenues and sales funnels that you can implement to make sure that when you do run to these difficult times, that you're prepared for it. And then, you know, number three, I think to make sure that you maximize and look at your marketing strategy and make sure that you're not just throwing money against the wall and seeing if it sticks, but have a really a strategy behind it and find the ways where you can take that to really maximize the opportunity in the marketplace. So those are the three top things. But for me, and what I've seen over the 25 years, it's people. You mm-hmm. gotta have the right team. You know, we're always stronger together. No one has ever become great by themselves. So no matter if you're the greatest operator or Michael, you and I, you know, think that we're the greatest guys to open up a dealership. If we can't lead and we can't develop leaders underneath us, we're going to run into a wall. So, you know, that, that's one of the greatest things about, you know, working with Grant is, you know, Grant is a phenomenal leader. I'm really fortunate to have him as a leader going through these sort of circumstances, but, you know, he's helped all of us grow either directly or indirectly by being prepared to get through whatever's thrown your way. That's where you get the strength and that's where you get the power. And that's why you do the daily training. And that's why you write your goals down every single morning, every single evening is because you know what you want and you have a direction. So most of us don't have goals and targets. You know, you go into these dealerships and, and you know, we, we do a lot of coaching now. And I always ask, you know, salespeople, you know, general sales managers, general managers, deal principals, hey, 
well, what are your goals for this quarter? And they're like, oh, well, we want to do this. We want to sell this many cars. I'm like, okay, great. What are the mechanics that are going to help you get there? And what are the targets that you're setting to know you're on path, you know, along the way? And th these are basic things that people aren't doing. So no matter if you're in a contraction or you're, you know, killing it, there's always more. You're only right. as good as who you're relating yourself to, but there's always better. There's always, a, you know, an extra gear that you can, uh, that you can pop into. Yeah. And, and I love what you're saying about the mechanics and getting your people on board. Like it's one thing to have a plan. It's another thing to have a plan that's so clear that everybody agrees with, that they understand, that they know how to execute and that they're not going to deviate from. It, it scares me. Like when we'll go in and we'll, we'll audit a company and I mean, it's everything from single rooftop to fortune 500s and we audit like what's going on there. And and it's crazy to me that one of the number one issues that they have is that not everyone was clear on what you just said, the mechanics of the plan, like how, how are we actually going to achieve this? And then, and then so, so, so what happens is the, their first response to executing a plan is to actually deviate from it. They start mm -hmm. making stuff up on the spot. And this isn't the time for that. This is the time to execute a plan with surgical precision. Yeah. So, and, and, and the other thing, too, is that you can't be afraid to fail. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer of like, you have to fail yourself forward. If, if you're not failing, that means you're not swinging the bat enough. You got to try different things. You got to be able to move into action, even when you don't know the plan. You just got to know what the end result is. And as you go into action, it'll start to morph itself into reality on what you want to do. But so many people run into what I call like analysis paralysis. They're trying to plan it out so much instead of just go into the marketplace with it and let the marketplace do what it needs to do. Yeah, totally. And, and what's the, uh, it, it, well, what, what it really is, right, is it, to, to go along with that point, in, in my perspective, is it's we, we let our emotions get in the way of our emotions. Yeah. Right, and that brings us full circle back to the whole panic thing. Like you're not going to be able to create a good plan out of panic. You're not going to be able to get your team on board if you're panicked. This is the time to stand up. Mm -hmm. to, to be the lion heart yeah and and be a good leader for your people and part of that means you need to be investing in them i can tell you one thing right now uh uh you look at you look at premier athletes you look at lebron james dude he's still he's still shooting hoops yeah he, he, he didn't go hey well there's no games so i'm just gonna stop practicing i'm gonna just stop exercising these guys are still doing those things that they know they're gonna need to do because when this blows over they're going to be stronger at it. Like th this is their time. If, if, if I'm one of them and I, and I've seen some of their, you know, Instagrams and things of that nature. Yeah. Some of them are partying and doing the, you know, PlayStation, all that kind of stuff. But you look at the guys like LeBron, well, what, what makes LeBron's ranking like 97 out of a hundred? It's because during times like this, he's shooting hoops. He's watching game footage. He's looking at the things that he should have been stronger at. And he's working on those things right now. He's investing heavily in himself. And, and you know, I look at my team, what, what resonates true with what you just said is, is um, you know, we're full steam ahead. It's not like we're naive that there's an issue out there, but we're blasting forward. Daily, mm -hmm. daily sales training, daily sales meetings, daily motivation, daily inspiration, talking through objections, role playing. We're doing all of those things that we know are going to make or break us 
it's the equivalent in my mind, Jeff, of, of like race car driving. And I'm, I would not submit that I'm a pro race car driver. I've driven a go, <laughs> I've, I've driven a go-kart before, <laughs> but, yeah. but I, I at least know that in, in 08, I saw a lot of my competitors anticipate a curve, but they braked too soon. They can't, they, they applied the brakes too soon and then they didn't accelerate at the appropriate time and they're no longer, they felt, they fell too far behind. Well, I believe that wise people learn from experience. Those people that that happened to have garnered some wisdom, but I believe that super wise people learn from others experiences. And I was paying attention to that. And that's one of the reasons I believe we thrived during a contraction and why I believe it's going to happen again this time with full optimism is because you got to know when to apply the brakes coming into a corner and you need to know when to accelerate coming out of that corner. And, and so, you know, I'm not naive to the fact that some companies are low and they're going, Hey, we got to, we might need to cut back on this, that, and the next thing, what you had said, um, I wrote a note about, um, you know, a lot of these ag- aggressive incentives and we're seeing that with some of our vendor, with some of our, our clients, there's a lot of vendors in the space and it's gracious of them to cut, their fees for April or some of them are cutting their fees for April and May, or they're trying to give back. And that's, that's all fine and dandy, but you mm-hmm. said something which is um, understanding all avenues to get attention. And the one thing that I hope people understand is even though people might be cutting their costs or giving you a break or those things, you still need to pay attention to whether that was a good attention Avenue to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like just no, because absolutely. it's free, it doesn't mean it's going to get better for you. It doesn't mean it's going to increase the effectiveness of that platform or that, that amount of attention. So, yeah. so I hope people are using their mind and their brain and that, that, that <laughs> beautiful mass of matter between their earlobes to say, yeah, well, that's gracious. That doesn't eliminate the fact of, of whether it's effective or not. And I need to be focusing my attention to your point. Number two on my priority list is, all avenues to get attention. It's got to be the right kind of attention too. It's got to be actually doing something for me. Um, man, I really love this conversation. I really love that you've taken the time to, uh, to, uh, spend some time here with me today. I'm guessing everybody at Cardone's on, on uh, social distancing or is the office still blasting out there? No, I mean, we, uh, I guess about a few weeks ago, we, we had gone to more of a remote environment, we have like a skeleton crew working there right now. And um, we're just trying to do the right thing like everybody else. Right. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where you do have to put the, 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 the proper precautions in place and in, in doing business. But, you know, again, everything that you can do now, you can do virtually, you know, it was yeah. hard for some of our people because they've actually never worked from home before, but with all the different <laughs> communication hubs and stuff like that, sure. it's, it's pretty easy to transition into that. They're realizing how loud their kids are right now, or they're they're realizing (laughs) how much their dog. Yeah. Yeah. You you start to see some interesting things on web meetings, but you know, I want to highlight one of the things that you said before, because you know, what happens is, you know, everybody's going to say, Hey, have a, you know, an amazing attitude, focus on attitude, focus on mindset. And yes, that's important, but that's really only like half of the battle because what you run into, not just in times like we're experiencing now, but really any time is you can keep telling yourself, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm going to make it through this, I'm going to make it through this. But in your gut, 
if your gut's telling you, oh my God, you know, the sky's going to fall. Oh my God, I'm not good enough. Oh my God, this is not going to work. That part is going to deflate that part and you're not going to move forward. So that's why I say most people, what they run into is what's called a knowing doing gap. They know what to do. They know why they need to do it, but they don't go into action because again, they're incongruent with their thoughts. And what happens is they run into a terror barrier because they run up against the wall. People are afraid of change and, and they don't know what's going to happen on the other side. So I always tell people, look, change is hard in the beginning. It's messy in the, beautiful, in the middle and it's beautiful in the end. And the reality is, you know, they say pressure makes diamonds, right? And, and much like yourself, it's like if you've never been up against what we're experiencing today, yeah, I mean, it's terrifying. But the only reason that a person wouldn't move forward is, is an acronym I always like to use called FUD, F-U-D. And that's fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And right now, it's like the trifecta. Everyone is running into all three of these. And the biggest one today, not just with this current situation, but just with people in general, is they're uncertain on what's going to happen. They're either thinking about what happened in the past and they get depressed or they're trying to project what's going to happen in the future and they get anxiety. The key component is to stay in the moment, chart out your day, figure out how you can be better today than you were yesterday and be able to control your mind. But realize that everyone started somewhere it's never easy. People need to get off of this tip of the iceberg mentality. And, you know, especially with a lot of the millennials today, they want everything that everybody has, but they think that it's just going to come to them naturally. Man, it's hard work. I mean, everybody sees what Grant has been able to build over his career, but people don't see when he traveled like 18 months straight without being home. People don't see how he used to like door knock dealerships selling DVD sets and CD sets. People don't see all these times that he's had to run into situations and overcome them, but that's what makes great leaders. And I promise you, through this, great leaders are gonna be born and there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna accelerate the marketplace to you know, what you alluded to before, the Airbnbs, the Ubers, all these type of people, because they were prepared to break through that terror barrier, get to the other side, and, and that really is going to give us everything that we ever wanted. It's just you got to break through it. Dude, I love that. Uh, and, and also, side note, Grant's hair is better today than it was when he was not going <laughs> to. I'm just telling you, I did my training this morning. Just for those of you who wonder if I'm doing training, dude, I do training. I'm doing the, the management training right now, and I'm telling you, yeah. right, I, love, I love the camera transitions. But like oh, yeah. more so, I'm like one of my notes. I swear, one of my notes in my in my training book is Grant's hair is better today. <laughs> His hair's gotten better with time, even like everything about him's gotten better with time. So, um, hey man, thank you so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook. How can those listening get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can reach me at Jeff at GrantCardone.com. Uh, Jeff Bounds on Instagram. Jeff Bounds on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm across all the social channels. And I just want to throw out there that, you know, the thing that gives me the biggest amount of satisfaction is helping others. So please feel free to reach out to me with any questions or any way that I can help. And, you know, myself and Cardone Automotive Resources, we're dedicated to helping everybody weather the storm and get through this. So 
Uh, let me know any way that I can assist.